Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, guys? It's been a long three weeks. Me and Josh were just talking about it. What's up, Josh? How you doing? I'm good, Brad. How are you? I'm doing good. So, a good break. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Heck yeah. Did you have a I'm good right. Christmas? I did, man. I got to see both sides of my family and... I got to see my sister I haven't seen in three and a half years, so it was, it was a good time. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So Your sister live out of town? Yeah, she lives in uh, – well, she was in Japan because her husband was in the military, and then they moved to California when he got out, and then, uh, yeah, just haven't seen him since they moved back to the States. That's cool. Yep. Did you uh, get any cool fishing stuff for Christmas? I did. I got a couple Yak Gadget things from my wife. So that's pretty cool. And then uh Jig Masters gift card so I can stock up on some stuff. What about you? No. No? <laughs> no. I have no what? one to buy me presents, Brad. <sighs> I'm gonna well, buy you presents. I, I mean, I got some presents. I didn't get any fishing stuff, so I usually never get fishing stuff, so I'm, it's whatever. <laughs> it's cool. It's, like, it's a change, right? It's a good yeah, change. Yeah. I was I was I digging see, it. I see you sporting at a Sheegan hat. Yeah, I've had this though. Atchigan? Yeah. It's yep. Pretty cool hat. <laughs> yep. All right, well, dude. Let's get in this episode, man. Uh Campbell over at Faith and Fishing Podcast. He hooked us up with uh Greg Ferris from uh Adventure Designs Watercraft to talk about his uh I think it's called a Trident. Uh yep. right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the Trident Explorer. Awesome. So welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you. Um, usually we start off the show by uh, you letting the listeners know who you are, how you got into the whole kayak game and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm r- located right off, right off the Mississippi River in Muscatine, Iowa, and uh, been an avid fisherman my whole life. Uh, 
a buddy introduced me to kayak fishing about uh, five or six years ago. And I bought a, a basic kayak and really, really loved it. Um, but then I go out there sometimes, especially if there's some wind and I get kind of frustrated. And uh, I've been uh, a product designer my whole life. I've, I've always been, uh, that's kind of just in my DNA. And at some point I started thinking about, well, what could, what could we do that was different that would, uh, that would work better. And, uh, that so began the quest, um, about three and a half years ago now. And, um, through a, a lot of iterations and a lot of market research, talking to people, stalking strangers at lakes, making my family really uncomfortable when I just randomly talk to people at Bass Pro, <laughs> all kinds of things like that have, have helped um, kind of evolve the idea into a product. Um, and I think the, the greatest compliment I got was from a, a small paddle sport dealer uh, in Waverly, Iowa, Crawdaddy's, the, the owner of that shop saw me at uh, a sports show this, this spring where I had my very first uh, production model. And he looked at it and he said, you know, you got yourself a product. I, I didn't know if you're ever going to get there. You know, I saw all the prototypes and, and everything. And I kind of wondered if this was ever going to be a product. But um, you've really turned that corner into having something that's that's legit and something that people are going to want. Mm-hmm. That's so. cool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that your first product or your first prototype came out just recently. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's the the first production unit. the The first prototype, kind of funny. If you look on the website, there's a tab for the story, and uh, there's a picture of me floating on it in a Holiday Inn Express swimming pool. Yeah, on your phone version. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Just kind of proving out that the thing worked, um, and I, unfortunately, when the prototype got done, it was January or December, and there wasn't any uh, liquid water here in Iowa, so I had to, I had to find something, uh, something suitable indoors. So fortunately, I had a, a friend that I bowled with that uh, was a manager <laughs> that was able to get me in there. Hmm. So how did your first prototype turn out? Um, what was it that you saw that you needed adjustments on? Yeah, I mean, the first prototype, you can actually look at it and see that I decided that I needed to to go to what I had set as my maximum width. Those pontoons are sort of sticking out. You see that white paper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had, that, it had already been modified at that point. And um, you'll, you'll also notice that, it, that the production models uh, about two feet longer, uh, just overall larger to increase capacity. So, you know, market research uh, was pretty clear. You know, it's like, you know, there's a lot of guys that fish that are that are not 180 pounds. Um, mm -hmm. And they also like to carry a lot of gear. And when I went to lakes and saw serious kayak fishermen, I was sort of in awe of, the gear that they carried with them for uh, mm -hmm. for an afternoon, you know, out on the lake, uh, it was a lot. So um, that that's what really led to the evolution of making it bigger and and uh, improving the stability of it. Um, 
you know, even further, because when I started this whole thing, for me, it was all about, I want my hands free so I can constantly fish. Don't have to worry about stopping to maneuver, uh, the boat, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I'd always be making these like ridiculous casts, you know, the wind's blowing me this way and <laughs> I wanted over, I wanted to cast over there and I'm making a cast like this. And I was like, God, I hope this isn't when the six pounder bites, you know, cause I'm, <laughs> I have no chance. Um, yeah. Uh, so the analogy I use is it, it sort of allows you, uh, to, to make a lot of small adjustments on a continuous basis that you really don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus kind of getting to a point where it's like, oh my, I can't do this anymore. Then putting the rod down, grabbing the paddle, maneuvering to to set yourself up again. Yeah. Uh, by the by, the time you put your paddle down, you're blown <laughs> the opposite direction. And you get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And you can never. It was. I always hated the fact that I couldn't fish into the wind very well. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to. I'd have to drift you know fish while i was drifting one way and then i had to paddle myself all the way up the other side if i wanted to go um you know against the wind i fish against the wind all the time uh with the trident don't have any issue with that so it it looks like uh the way the hole shaped to you you might have a little like aerodynamics running through like is there a space in between the water and the bottom yeah you know, trying to get to the to the stability, like really maximize the stability, because um, when I did when I was out doing the market research on the design, I was really surprised by the fact that stability to stand for just anybody was really viewed as one of the most valuable aspects mm-hmm. of the design. Um, more enough so that you'll notice, like we we generally list stability for anybody to stand as the first uh most important value proposition that this offers so the the trade-off there when you go wider you know and fishing kayaks have just been continuously getting wider mm-hmm. is is you know more drag through the water so the idea with the with the tri hull was to to have less hull in the water but still have that width for the stability so it's kind of like having outriggers but not having these right. goofy styrofoam outriggers sticking out <laughs> yeah and, and might, might as well use the you know use that that concept in a sense to widen out the platform you know for the seat and storage and stuff you know because i see a lot of people take like their little tiny kayaks that they buy you know mm-hmm. like the little 10 footers or whatever and they start realizing it's not as stable as what they you know they originally thought and start throwing you know the outriggers on it but it's really it's not really taking advantage of that entire space and that's what you guys have done right right yeah and uh the thing that kind of like stuck out to me was like that long nose so if you like a lot of kayaks don't have space where you can set your rods down like while you're, you know, traveling to another spot or something, you can probably lay what four rods, even probably even more than that on the deck. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, there's there's a couple of integrated rod holders, and I usually have, uh, you know, a, a crate with a couple rod holders too. So mm-hmm. you you can, if somebody says there's not enough space for my gear on the Trident Explorer, they they have a heck of a lot of gear. <laughs> 
<laughs> I believe it. I mean, and, that, that back end is pretty big. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing that's really nice is that you can get to this storage while you're sit, seated in the chair or you can stand up, turn around, and grab it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in a lot of kayaks, some of that storage is is kind of a, you know, not accessible unless you get out of the boat. Right. Oh, that's so, pretty cool. It's definitely an interesting design. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate it that it's not anything out there really that's on the market. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, you could see it's it, you've got research into what what was already out there and a complete, you know, but it's completely a unique design at the same time. And I, I find it very interesting. So what do you attribute mm -hmm. to the, the overall design, the finished product that is making it less uh, wind resistant? Uh as far as, you know, wind resistance, I don't know if it's necessarily more wind resistant because the, the user is, is elevated. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's always, you know, in every design there's trade-offs. Mm -hmm. So you, you do have the user elevated, which allows for a really comfortable ergonomic seated position. Uh, and then the ability to, to stand in front of the, the seat, you know, flip the seat up and then stand in front of it, or you can actually kind of sit on the, on the seat with, with it pipped. Uh, picked up to uh, to give you like a perch, kind of hook your heels on the gunnel, mm -hmm. uh, which that's my favorite. You know, if you're lucky enough that there's not a lot of wind or and and the fish are kind of concentrated somewhere and you can fish a spot for a while, mm -hmm. that's a pretty comfy way to to spend a few hours. <laughs> yeah, and uh, obviously the design is what piqued my interest, but also the seat like you mentioned how high is that seat off the deck it's about 14 inches off the deck yeah, but then pretty... your feet are on the paddle you know which is down a little bit still from there so um i uh spoiler alert my my day job is i i, I work in the office furniture industry mm -hmm. uh so i've designed several office chairs and uh that you know obviously designing the seat was quote the easy part for me mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because you know I have pretty good understanding of ergonomics and you know the angle of the seat in the back to 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 give most people uh, you know the best comfort possible but then also the way the chair mounts to the boat um, can't really see it in this image but there's a track so, the, the chair can move fore and aft on that track. And then those rear support legs are attached separately. So you can, you can actually tip the chair. Uh, you can change the angle of it. Okay. Um, so that you kind of position the, yourself as a user in a way to balance the, the boat. So it sits nice and level on the water to, to maximize the stability of it. And then the um, uh, uh, you'll notice the paddle also has a track. Mm -hmm. So the pivot point is mounted in a track with quick release levers, kind of like what you'd have on your bicycle. Mm -hmm. um, so you can move your paddle fore and aft because I uh, that's important to be easily adjustable because it's not just uh, making an adjustment for 
like one person. Uh, I've also found that if I'm going to paddle a distance, I move the paddle out a little farther so I can make bigger strokes. Mm-hmm. But if I'm if I'm just going to work a shoreline like for the next you know several hours, I'll pull it in so I have my feet more under me, uh, and it just makes makes uh, makes for a little bit more comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, Comfort's a big deal for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a runner and I spent a lot of time in my little kayak where I got done fishing after a few hours and I couldn't like stand up. My, my <laughs> legs were straight out and they got stiff. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I think, uh, I think just about every kayak angler has been in that position at one point. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I'm, I, I've said it many times before, but I, I started out in a real tiny sit inside Pelican and, Hard, hard plastic seat. It hurt my back. <laughs> I almost didn't kayak fish because of my first experience in one. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it can be rough on the the lower back and hamstrings and stuff. So, yep, I agree. No, yeah. So the drive, man, it, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I've never seen that. I've never thought. I've never even thought about using a paddle with your feet. That's it's it's cool. Um, can you throw any paddle you want in there? The paddle actually comes with the boat. Okay. So we we include the paddle because uh, number one, it's a little bit longer than normal, mm-hmm. uh, and those you'll notice the footrests there um, are also a really important piece of the comfort. Um, so they're they're attached to the paddle shaft through a, a rubber bearing and that mm-hmm. bearing allows the, the, the footrest to actually move relative to the paddle. So you can, you, when you're paddling, your angles aren't having to do all of that work uh, mm-hmm. of going through that angular motion. The, the rubber basically does that work for you. So you're doing something more of just an in and out with your feet as you're paddling, okay. which, makes a huge difference um, to how long you can go, uh, you know, before you start feeling some discomfort. So let me try to get this right. Um, As you're paddling it, it kind of like does it for you, like the the angle, or do you have to control that with your own feet? Really, I I try to actually think about holding my ankles a little bit more stiff Mm-hmm. To, to have the rubber do its job because if you i mean because the, you can move your feet you can actually you know still translate your ankles right and you just don't need to all you need to do is just kind of to to focus on just doing a more in and out motion and it's really easier on you it's just sometimes you you, you know especially like the first time out on it mm-hmm. you might not think that and not maybe not realize that those that that kind of flexibility exists. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was I was wondering how how you would be able to control the the paddle dipping in the water like that. You know, like yeah. how much of a circular motion you know needs to occur with your feet slash knees, legs, whatever, and then on top of that, being able to control because you know obviously if you if you're dipping your paddle too far in the water. It becomes very, very inefficient, and then if you're obviously not getting 
the blade down in the water significant further enough, you know, it's going to be really inefficient at that point because you're not going to be moving very far. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that, you know, I think some people look at um, the video of this thing in motion and they think, uh, boy, that, that doesn't seem intuitive or I, I'm worried about how easy that's going to be to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for the people that have been on it, uh, they don't find it difficult at all to learn. There is like, you know, some people uh, actually, if you look at the videos that are on the website, that gentleman, uh, that was literally the first time he was ever on it. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, I was thinking to myself when we were shooting the video, like, I think this guy's better on this thing than I am. And I've been on it for a hundred <laughs> hours, you know, uh, you know, cause I mean, some people are just more athletic. Right. But, yeah. uh, I have another buddy who's, who's less athletic and, you know, I put him on it and it was maybe five minutes where he was sort of stumbly for five minutes. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. he, he says, like, boy, this is different. You know, that's the first thing he said to me. But then by the time we, we rounded the corner, the first corner, cause I was in another one with him, and, you know, he's like, this thing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't take long. Uh, he was also the same guy that uh, he, he has always fished from a. Um, uh, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Uh, oh, I can't remember what you call it. It's a little plastic boat, not the not the Bass Raider. Oh, uh, the Prowler? It's like a duck boat. Okay. Like a sneak right. boat. And... Um, Anyway, he, he uses a trolling motor and we went to a mm-hmm. lake on a day there was probably 10 to 15 mile an hour breeze and we fished for a couple hours and he had migrated over to the other side and I paddled over to him and he's like, you know, this is crap. I sit here and I'm messing with my motor all the, like constantly and you, I just, I've seen you do nothing but fish 
you you just keep casting and i i went into this thing thinking like having a, an electric motor i was gonna have so much you know easier time than you mm-hmm. but it's like it's it's ridiculous how much how much more fishing you've got to do than i have um i don't know if i caught any more fish but because he's yeah <laughs> I'm a, I'm a better product designer than fisherman, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I I want to know what kind of speed you get while you're pedaling the thing. So when I'm paddling, uh, you know, probably three miles per hour, something like okay. that. That's pretty good. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm going to cover much distance, I throw a trolling motor on the back of it because mm-hmm. I'm lazy. Uh, yeah. Well, that we were going to talk about that a little bit too. So, yeah, I, I there's an integral transom on the hull because mm-hmm. um, you know I, there's a lot of interesting solutions for mounting trolling motors, and mm-hmm. that's there's been a lot of advancement in that in the last two to three years. When when I started this thing most guys with a trolling motor had some form of a two by four Mm -hmm. involved. Yeah. Uh, It was, it was usually a Rue Goldberg, you know, but now there's manufacturers that are, that are kind of allowing for this in their designs and making it much easier. But um, it was important to me that that you could just use a regular old generic, you know, if you wanted to throw a Minn Kota on the thing, throw a Minn Kota on this thing. You don't need to, to spend, you know, thousand bucks on a really expensive um, kind of specialized trolling motor. Yeah. Like Torquedo or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly do it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you don't have, it's your choice. Right. No, that, that's cool. Like, I, I like that you can put the trolling motor on the back. You can still probably reach around and, you know, control it that way because the well's not that long like a typical kayak. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, uh, I actually have two seats. You, you know, the seat that this, uh, where it flips up, like that you were showing earlier, I also have just a regular swivel seat. So if you're going to use a motor a lot, like all mm-hmm. the time, the swivel seat's nice just because it allows you to, to, to turn your body so you don't have to reach back. So, yeah, like, there you go right there. So on the left, showing the, the trolling motor just mounted off to the side so you can use the flip-up uh, chair, which is a little bit nicer for standing because mm-hmm. the, the swivel chair doesn't doesn't get as much out of your way to stand in front of it. Yeah, okay. So, but then that, that other picture there with the little two-and-a-half-horse gas outboard, um, that was really not something that we initially (laughs) designed for but we had people talk about it and uh i love that little stupid thing it's a little (laughs) little suzuki motor with a gas tank part of it the whole thing weighs 29 pounds Hmm. and yeah so i mean actually compared to the minkota with the battery it's lighter and it's like two thumb screws and it's on and i'm going like it's and I don't know. It's just so much easier than the trolling motor to me. Right. Uh, and it's twice as fast. Yeah. I was going to say that thing's probably pretty quick with that thing on it. 
Well, it's not a speed demon. I, I don't want to oversell it. I think I think you'll get about six miles an hour. Uh, that's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, definitely faster than than the trolling motor. The best I can get out of trolling motor is like between four and five. Yeah. Funny how a mile and a half or two miles an hour feels somewhat like like a a really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I used to have a uh, motor guide for the front of my kayak, and then I had a Torquedo one time, and there was a two-mile-per-hour difference in between the two. And I'm like, this is crazy. Couldn't believe yeah. how different it was. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about um, – oh, what – I just scrolled past it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you um, want me to screen share it, whatever you're going to talk about? No, you're probably on it. It's on the uh, features tab. Uh huh. Um, let's talk about your storage options um, that's available on it. I saw a couple pictures with like it looked like a locking box for where it looks like a well for tackle boxes. Yep. Yeah, back there. Um, so it's it's just a way that you can cover your your tackle or put a cooler in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my normal is. A cooler on one side and my tackle boxes on the other, uh, and then I'll I'll stick the pliers uh, where that gear track is, and on the mm-hmm. other side is a nice size uh, bin for for plastics and uh, that sort of a thing. So that's a great idea, man. Um, I'm really digging that because one of the biggest things you see with people who are into kayak fishing, especially the tournament scene, is you know, trying to bring all the tackle that they possibly can. And you are solving an issue in which it's hard for people to bring extra tackle and they're storing it like all over the kayak. And sometimes they're making it, Mm -hmm. having to put it in places that are a little bit harder to reach. Under the seat, inside the hatch. Yeah, inside the hatch especially. And then you worry about it floating around down in there, you know, unless you're real good about some people put like rubber matting or whatever inside, but um, yep. I mean, you've got an area to be able to hold a crate. So you got whatever you can put in your crate. And then, I mean, it looks like you can hold two or maybe three to four 3,700 boxes. Three. Yeah. Three, three per them. side. Yep. I mean, that's six, six boxes just in the, that um, uh, hall storage areas. And that's pretty impressive because I know Brad and I are both, uh, part of the yak gadget and that XD crate that they have holds how many brand? I can't even remember offhand. Um, I got five in mine, but yeah. I'm also using the battle box too. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're, that's a lot, a lot of tackle. And I know yeah. a lot of guys that they don't necessarily carry that on tournament day, but on pre-fishing days where they're trying to, you know, go mm. through a lot of baits and figure out, what the fish are biting on that's that's a great great feature to have on that kayak you know that you don't see anybody else really doing that you know mm-hmm. yep thank you yeah i i like it just because i you you can take as much stuff as what you what you want for how long you want to be out you know and uh especially if you're going to do something like fishing in the mississippi where you don't really know exactly what you there's a lot of, you know, potential things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, having more space 
uh, is always welcome. Uh, um, and there's, there's quite a bit of space inside the hull as well. So you can see just in front of the Trident logo on the deck, there's a, a hatch there. Oh, yeah. And then that really opens up to the inside of the hull. Um, there's actually a, a, an integral bag to so stuff doesn't go rolling away from you. Okay. Uh, the storage inside uh, generally is used for like transient storage. Um, you had scrolled uh, up and showed the rod going into the the bow hatch. Um, that was a that was something that uh, is really a problem that a lot of a lot of guys deal with. Where if you have a seven and a half foot rod. You know where do you put this thing? I I have a Honda yep. Ridgeline, and I could put my kayak in there fine, but every time I you know how do I tie up my rods? I I have my mm -hmm. rods either sticking out the window, yep. or, uh, <laughs> which I I don't know I just hate doing that. I uh, do too. And then uh, I put them in the bed of the truck, and then you say, "Dang, I'm hungry. I'm going to stop at McDonald's," and they've got. Seven hundred dollars of rod and reels sitting in the mm -hmm. bed of the truck that are like one, one uh, tie strap away from departing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this allows you to get them in into the boat. Um, you know, and it's not lockable. It's a, it's actually a, a hinge, a dual hinge. So um, it's a it's a clasp on, and a hinge on both sides. So you can open it the way it's shown in this picture. We're accessing it from the front. So the say the boat's in your bed of your truck, you can take rods and reels in and out of it while it's on uh, on the truck. Uh, or you can actually open it the opposite direction so it hinges on the side that it's open and access it from from the boat side. Yeah. Right. And that's always been a huge feature for me. Like Josh knows because he's carried some of my boats. I keep everything in my front hatch and being able to store your rods inside while you're transporting the kayak to and from the water, man, it's, it's, it's one of the, my favorite features on a kayak in general. Yeah. Brad likes to weigh his boats down and make <laughs> them virtually impossible to carry. <laughs> yeah, they, they get over like a hundred pounds. The first time we ever went out, dude, I slipped and dropped this kayak on a rock. I was like, Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> Well, since we're on the topic of weight, how, how much does this thing weigh? So it's a fiberglass hull, uh, and its capacity is 550 pounds. The The weight of the of the boat with the chair on it is about 150 pounds. So um, it's, it's built uh, for capacity. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fiberglass is generally lighter than plastic. Mm -hmm. but there's just more of it here. You know, it's a, it's a bigger boat. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, with transporting, uh, something that weighs over a hundred pounds, most people want to have some help with that. Right. So you see a lot of people are buying trolleys and, mm -hmm. um, that was another key learning when we went out to, to lakes and, and just watched people, you know, we did just observational research of how are guys doing this today? You know, what are their pain points? You know, one of them that we saw was, you know, show up at the lake, park in the parking lot, and 
a decent place to launch the boat is 100 feet away. Mm-hmm. So put the boat onto a trolley, walk that to the water, take the boat off the trolley, take the trolley back to the truck, grab your gear and make a trip back to the boat or two trips back to the boat, whatever. Um, and it takes time to do that. And it's mm-hmm. just more time that you're not doing what you came there to do. So we did the integral wheels on the whole um, with the idea that you could essentially take the, the boat out of your, the bed of your truck, off the trailer, or you know, however you're transporting it, set it down next to your vehicle, gear it all up, pick up the front handle, the integral handle, take it to the water, shove it in the water and go. There's mm-hmm. no back and forth uh, involved with, with getting in or getting out. You just pick it up and go. Interesting. Um, so, so did you guys have any issues integrating the wheel design into uh, your prototypes or were you establishing that right away? Now we did that right from the start. You'll notice every prototype, the wheels got bigger. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I think uh, I think when we started out, they were four inches, and now they're eleven. Uh, <laughs> and it really just comes down to the diam- the bigger diameter helps it roll over, you know, obstacles, and if there's some gravel or whatever, it doesn't just kind of sink right in, because it was important. To, to keep the wheels narrow. So they're, it's a really narrow wheel because the trade-off, obviously, of not having that trolley sitting in your truck while you're fishing is that that wheel's in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's creating some amount of drag. So yeah. to minimize that, you'll see like that the the cutout for it is, is scooped out. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not like kind of dragging uh, uh, a vertical wall through the water. And then the wheel is only an inch wide, so it's not it's not a great big surface that's uh, getting in the way of of rolling through the water. And it's kind of kind of interesting. the The draw on the boat is pretty similar to my little kayak um, that I started with. Uh, and the the fun part is if you do get into shallow enough water that you bottom out generally you, you pitch it. So it's, it's a little bit tail low. So the first thing that hits the wheel, mm-hmm. so you don't get hung up. Uh, it's easy to, if you, if you get run up on something, it's easy to, to get off of it because it's usually the wheel that you're hung up on. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Kind of like rolling off of whatever you're stuck on. Yeah. In a sense. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to, uh, the materials of it. You said it was uh, fiberglass. Is there a reason you went fiberglass over plastic? Uh, well, two reasons. One was, you know, the the Trident Explorer. This model is intended to be the the Cadillac of this archetype. So this okay. is a brand new archetype. There's nothing like it. Um, it's obviously unknown of how successful it'll be in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided we were going to go premium first. So fiberglass is definitely premium material. It, it allows you to, to repair the boat also allows for customization. So we offer customizations, uh, to the boat. Um, you know, basically, uh, things that, things that just can't be done with mm-hmm. rotor molded boats. Um, 
And um, I mean, the other side of it was the a, a rotomolded hole mold uh, mm. would be somewhere around a hundred thousand dollar investment. Yeah. Um, so not out of a lack of faith in the archetype and its viability, we chose the fiberglass because the invest the initial investment was also significantly less. Um, you know, so and also easier to change. So if if mm -hmm. we were to to launch this thing and two years in, we're getting feedback that, hey, if this one corner was just a little bit different, it would be so much better for me. And we hear that, okay, that's something that we can actually change in a fiberglass mold. Whereas in a rotom molded plastic mold, that that change would would either be impossible or, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do. Yeah. So it gives us some flexibility. Interesting. What was your biggest change from first prototype to final production model? Um, I'd say the, the design of it, just the, the look. Um, there's a, you know, a marked difference. Um, I think you can tell uh, I'm, if, if I don't give it away, I, I give it away for almost, almost anybody that I'm an engineer. Uh, something about me just screams, he's an engineer. Uh, like car salesmen figure me out in about 10 seconds. Um, uh, That's funny. But, uh, you know, I, I, I initially work with, a, with an industrial designer. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, I, I was okay with the design, but the market wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I had done a lot of, in-person research where it was pretty good feedback. But then when I did blind research on Facebook, that's when you get the really honest <laughs> feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it wasn't positive. Uh, so that, that's what led to uh, kind of the change in look. Okay. So. Yeah, I know, I know people out there can be pretty harsh when it comes to how a kayak looks and stuff like that oh yeah we argue about everything stupid we yeah the <laughs> color of the sky with yeah. I mean, the best heck, fishing line you know it's gotten to the point where people were arguing about the color of like the limited edition hobie i'm like <laughs> really guys come on yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just what some people are good at yes you, you never you never know what people argue about my my uh, i see those two northern behind me uh, those were caught in uh, Canada by my dad and I, and my dad still to this day says that his is bigger than mine. <laughs> I think everyone here can see that the one on the left is bigger. <laughs> oh, oh, I gotta he'll, see this. He'll still argue. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> hey, it makes for a good fishing story. Oh, yeah. He he caught the he caught his uh. And had to freeze it. This is back before the days of replicas and all that. You know, this a long time ago. Yeah. And then I caught mine two days later, and I said, "There's a problem." He's like, "What's that?" I said, "Mine's bigger." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, there's a problem." <laughs> so we decided that this was the solution. That's funny. I like it. All right, I got to ask the question since I see it on your features, it looks like you guys did a test. 
to swamp the kayak and verify its flotation with a motor, um, were you able to sink it? No, that's, I mean, you can sink anything, just ask the Titanic designer, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it won't sink. There's foam inside of the outer pontoons that'll prevent it from sinking mm. uh, with as much, you know, like with your, with a motor on it and some gear. Uh, at some point you could put enough on it where there wouldn't be enough flotation, but um, you have everything you need. If you're in the water, it's not going down. It'll, it'll be something that you can hang on to uh, till you get help. And I mean, it's an extreme test. I mean, the yeah. only way that happens is if somehow you manage to run it into rocks hard enough to, to completely breach the hull. Yeah. I, I had to work at it for probably 10 minutes to get, all the air out of it to make it as bad as it could be um you know so that's a super extreme test but i mean that was just we wanted to show that that uh this isn't just some you know kind of somebody's somebody's little idea this is something that's been engineered thoroughly uh you know uh we've uh worked with a coast guard to set the appropriate limits to get their classification of, of the boat um, because of it being so different, you know, it wasn't yeah. clear cut. It essentially registers just like a kayak. Uh, so you don't have to put numbers on it unless you put a motor on it. As soon as you right. put a motor on anything, then you've got to put numbers on it. Yep. Yep. Same thing in Ohio, uh, except here in Ohio, we have to register the kayak. We still got to get a sticker. I don't know how. Oh, it is. really? Yeah. 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 That's how that's done on a total state by state basis. Yep. And I've been places where you don't need any sticker or anything yep. until you motorize it. And then with Ohio, they have two different, uh, they have a, what they call like a standard registration and then an alternative. alternative. And it's funny because alternative one is meant for something without a motor. And it's actually like three to $5 more expensive than the standard one, which makes no sense whatsoever. Wow. You'd want to. You'd think that they would kind of charge a little bit more for something that's potentially going to use gas or some, you know, something. And it's not really yeah. the case. It's like, but it's obnoxious. <laughs> They're very strict about where it's uh, where it's placed at, or they used to be. It, it might not be as much, but I got yelled at by a, a ranger once because of where uh, the alternative registration was on for one of our kayaks that we had. Mm. Yeah. He was like, it needs to be on the other side so I can see it. And I'm like, well, what if the boat was turned the other direction? I know. I'd <laughs> never know where to put the sticker either. It's it kind of never, never question the logic of a bureaucrat. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Well, um, I don't know if we asked this question or not, or not. How long is it? It's just over 10 feet long. Okay. And it's about uh, uh, 48 inches wide. Oh, nice. wow. So I'm guessing it does track pretty well, even though it's that short. Yeah, it has a, um, a, a large uh, uh, keel mm -hmm. down the center pontoon that that makes a, a huge difference. There, you can kind of see it right there um, for tracking. So uh, I guess that was that was one of the learnings from the prototypes, that, that keel. Uh, 
and the first one didn't have it and adding that made a huge difference to to the tracking of it so that's cool man it's kind of crazy because when you look at it on the photos it looks longer yeah especially on the one that says tested with 600 pounds and then in the swamped pictures it actually looks like it's like you know a 12 to 14 footer like it's kind of crazy it's just over 10. yeah it started out just eight uh i was i thought it was really important to try to make it so you could close it in the bed of a truck yeah. um but people don't want to make a performance sacrifice in the name of that yeah was the was the basic you know kind of message that i got it, it i mean it, it it's true the longer the faster you know yep. um and try to explain yeah. it to people all the time who are in the market and i'm like oh if you're going to be fishing a lake that 36 to 38 inch kayak but it's 10 feet is going to be a very tough paddle out on the lake in the wind so Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Yeah. Go ahead, well, Brad. I, I see that you're going to the Cincinnati Fishing Expo. Maybe I'll come and introduce myself. That would be fantastic. I, I will be there. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be there too. Uh, I'm just praying that uh, all these shows are you know, still held and nothing gets canceled because of COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. so far, um, had a couple that were canceled, but they were small shows. Yeah, and I'm. I don't think they'll cancel in Ohio. They're pretty lenient on stuff. It seems like that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm also going to be at the one in Columbus. Have you been to that one? Yeah, yeah that's that's the real big one. That's what I'm told. Yeah, Cincinnati. They had the first one in 2019, right? Josh. I knew it was newer. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I've been to. Obviously, we're at the Cincinnati one for Loveland. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I used to always go to though was the Columbus one. So yeah, same here. I've never been to Canoe Copia. I'd love to go to do that, man. That would. Be oh awesome. yeah. I'm I'm planning to do that. Yes. Yeah, I'm signed up. Heck yeah. Well, uh, one last question. Uh, how much is it? So the the list price is twenty four ninety nine for the for the base model, and then you can see there's some options um, okay. and and customizations available. So I think you know for somebody that that wants to really detail it out to be 
exactly what they want as far as like gear. Obviously, you can do that yourself. Uh, it's fiberglass, so it's pretty easy to work with as far as like if you, to mount a gear track, you just screw right into the fiberglass. Um, it'll, you know, hold a screw well. Um, but uh, it is easier to do some customization work if there's any kind of interior work needed. Uh, yeah, obviously, the hole's made in two pieces. So um, when it's before it's joined, if say you wanted it uh, wired or if you wanted to mount the transducer for a fish finder uh, and the back of the boat and, and run the wire through the hull, it's mm -hmm. a whole lot easier to run that uh, before you join everything together. Um, right. So just saves a little bit of time and a little more, get a little more professional installation in the end that way. Right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about transducer. I, how, how do you go about doing that on this boat? On my, on my first boat, I, I actually hard mounted it, ran the wire internal, mm -hmm. and it looks, it looks sweet. Honestly, I mean, it looks like professional. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, though, my set, my my personal boat that I use to knock around, I use a suction cup mount. Um, okay. I don't always, if I'm going to launch in an area that's pretty unimproved, you know, where I'm dragging the boat through a lot of weeds and mm -hmm. junk, um, I found that that rigidly mounted transducer, I haven't damaged it, but it's just like. I'm, I'm just looking at it thinking it's only a matter of time yeah. before I damage this thing. Right. Uh, I like the idea of that suction cup and I just pop it on there. Cause I really don't yeah. use, if I'm, if I'm fishing a body of water, I know I don't use a fish finder a lot of times. Right. Yeah. So. Well that you get weeds, you know, caught on it and you start getting weird readings and, you know, it's up underneath the boat in the most, you know, one of those really accessible areas. It's not what you want to do is try to be clearing off whatever lake salad that you decided to, you know, gather up on it. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Kind of like if you have a prop drive or a yeah. pedal drive with a prop getting, getting in, into weeds with that thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain. I've had a few of those experiences where I spend five to 10 minutes untangling the prop drive from <laughs> fishing line or whatever. So yeah. It'll make you, make you not go out once it's August. Yeah. Yep. At that time of year. Well, I, I think we're winding down unless you have anything else. I, I didn't have any other questions. Greg, is there anything you wanted to add? No, you know, I really appreciate you guys. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to trying to get the message out about this new boat. Um, it's really challenging to launch uh, a new brand. Um, uh, I'm sure that's that's one of those obvious statements. But uh, and then when it's something that's really different, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Um, yeah. For some, for some people, uh, change this big is something that they're not prepared to make. Um, mm -hmm. They, they want to see, you know, some adoption before they take that jump. So that's what we're what we're trying to do uh, is kind of create that that initial interest and and get some adoption to get it out there. Um, I think uh, it's another thing we haven't really touched on. It's really important to me is um, the boat. You know, was designed here in in Iowa 
it's manufactured here in Iowa and the parts that make it make make it up are all from the Midwest. Um, nice. Most of them actually from the state of Iowa as well. And, you know, could we save a couple bucks? You know, we're to foreign source components, probably, but I'm not doing it. Uh, I, right. I believe in supporting, you know, our uh, local businesses as much as humanly possible. And the only, the only part that's on the boat that is not from the U.S. are the little hint, uh, cl- clasps for the adjusting the paddle because literally you can't buy them in the U.S. Uh, oh, so wow. Crazy. Uh, you know, I guess there are some things that we've just given the manufacturing away and mm-hmm. can't, can't do it anymore. I mean, we yeah. could do it, but we're just choose not to. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's, that's something that I want people to understand that um, uh, we put that extra effort in there to, to, to build that American quality into the boat and we're going to stand behind it. You know, uh, to, to support you getting started. Uh, and, um, you know, if you have any, any questions, uh, feel free to look me up and I'd love to answer any questions you have. Heck yeah. Yeah. Let everybody know where they can follow you on, uh, social media and stuff. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Um, so adventure, adventure underscore water, adventure underscore designs underscore watercraft. And then, um, also on Facebook, adventure designs, LLC. And the website is, uh, adventure designs, watercraft.com. Awesome. Uh, are you are you any in any love paddle shops yet? Uh, I had a boat in in Crawdaddy Outdoors. Uh, he's since gotten inundated with inventory, and I had to I had to pull it out of there. Mm. Uh, I had several several paddle sport shops local in the like local to the Midwest mm-hmm. uh, that had wanted one late last year, but um, they were all inundated with inventory in August and September. So the orders that they were supposed to have received in May and June came late. Yeah. And that created a real problem for them as far as, uh, you know, getting inventory very late in the year where sales was tough and, and then also just physical space. So right now our focus is, is on selling direct and, and building awareness at these sport shows mm-hmm. and, um, and online and we'll rekindle the effort to, to get it into some shops um, probably in the early second quarter next year. Yeah. Okay. Is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hopefully the supply stuff settles yeah. down. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That it's been a, quite a mess, hasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Cross the board. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Guys go, uh, go on his website, check out his, uh, his uh, schedule he has, he has a bunch of fishing shows he's going to be at. So if he's at a local one near, near you, go drop by and say hi. Check out his boat. Okay. Greg, thank you for taking the time to uh, share your products. And, you know, if you ever want to come back on the show and talk some more kayak stuff, feel free to reach out to us, man. All right. That'd be great. It's been a great, uh, great time. 
Yep. Appreciate it. Good first episode of 2022, man. I had fun. So uh, we will see you guys next week. So in the meantime, have a good one. See ya. Thank you. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.